الحمد لله رب العالمين حمد يوافي نعمه هو يكافئ مزيدا والصلاة والسلام على خير لنام والآله وصحبه وسلم ننوان التعلم والتعليم والتذكر والتذكير والنفع والانتفاع والإفادة والاستفادة والدعاء والدلالة على الخير وحث والتمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسول الله ابتغاء مرضات الله وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we ask him the most, the most high and exalted, the elevated subhanahu wa ta'ala, the supreme control of the, the supreme creator of the, the supreme creator of all that's in the universe to send copious and, and unlimited blessings and salutations upon our beloved Prophet Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we teach and learn and we pay our respects to the elders past and present. So Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Amin, we continue inshaAllah azawajal in the book of intentions. And we go on to the, the fifth intention in, in terms of going to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, particularly for the brothers and uh, for the sisters if they've got the... Anyone find a good prayer mat? Yeah? Yeah, yeah mashallah. You made a waqf? Mashallah. Let's start it straight away, inshallah, because they get the same same rewards, inshallah. So we'll continue. Qal al-imam radiallahu anhu nafana bihi wa bikim wa bikum. He says, al-niyatul khamisa. ينوي أداء الأمانة إلى الله تعالى فيما افتراض الله عليه الميثاق يوم الذر وأشهد عليه فيؤدي إليه الفرض في أحب البقاع إليه وذلك المساجد. So he says on page fifty in the book and the PDF. Fifty on the PDF too. Forty one on the PDF. Fifty in the book. It says there on the fifth intention. Intend to fulfill the trust that Allah made obligatory upon you, the covenant taken on the day of Dhar, and, and to which you bore witness and to perform the obligatory prayer in the most beloved of places to Allah, which are the masajid, which are the mosques. So that's part of the intention in terms of the obligation. So that's if we're going to the, to the, to the house of Allah, going to the mosque to pray one of the five fara'id prayers, and then if the other prayer, the, the five obligatory prayers, and then the other prayers that are also obligatory, like... like um, Fard Kifayah, for example, the, the Shafi'i Madhab have a, a communal obligation for Eid, inshallah, which is coming up in a little while. Um, there has to be a portion of the believers that attend the mosque uh, on those, and Jum'ah is another one, but Jum'ah is a Fard anyway. But there has to be a portion of the Masajid, the portion of the, of the community that attends. And if a portion of the community attends the mosque on Eid, for example, that's in the Shafi'i Madhab, then there's no Islam, there's no sin on the rest of the, of the community. And so he says that the, the intention is to fulfill the mithaq or the covenant on the day, and that's in that's in Surah Al Quran and Surah and that's in the Quran and Surah Al Araf. When Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He gathered, that's what we'll read the the footnote there. He says twenty. This refers to when Allah brought the Duriya, the descendants of Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam, forth from his loins at Nu'man al Araq in the Arafah to take the mithaq. So that's a place not not in in uh, when we when you go to Hajj, you go to Arafah, the plains of Arafah. There, it's not far from there. That's where uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gathered from the, the progeny, all the progeny of, of Adam alayhi salam, our great-grandfather, Muslim and non-Muslim, and he asked him to take the covenant, that there is no God other than he, and Allah mentions in the Qur'an, and when your Lord brought forth from the, from the children of Adam, from their loins, the descendants, and made them testify against themselves, he said, am I not your Lord? And they said, yes, we testify, lest you should say on the day of judgment or the day of resurrection that this... Uh, of this we were unaware. So he said, Alas to be Rabbikum, and they all said, Bala. And again, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, am I not your Lord? He's not saying, I am your Lord. So it goes back to the, the, the testimony of faith that we profess. We say, La ilaha, 
illallah. So it's a negation followed by an affirmation. When we say there is no deity, nothing worthy of worship except Allah, we're not professing the existence of Allah because that, that, that can't happen. So it's the negation. When we, a person goes through all the different, the, the multitude of ways that a person can think about, the person can ponder over, that science can reach, that philosophers can, can philosophize in terms of working out who is this creator, what's this, how did this being, how did I come into being, how did this galaxy, this cosmos come into being? So it's the same question Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the same vein, it's a negation. Alastu, am I not your Lord? It doesn't say, I am your Lord, because we can't know Allah just by knowing Allah. We can't know, it's, it's impossible because Allah's transcendent, is above the creation, is different to the creation. And so when he says, Alastu bi rabbikum, am I not your Lord? He's saying, think about it, ponder over it, consider all the other options there are out there. And what is left after you've considered all those options will be that I am indeed your Lord. And so that's the, that's the same question. And what about, they didn't say na'am, because na'am in the Arabic language has a double connotation. It could be yes and it could be no. So when they said bala, it means undoubtedly. There's no doubt whatsoever. And so that's the, that they're the souls that were present. It's not that we were physically present at that time because we hadn't been created at that time. But the souls, all the souls of, of humankind that came to earth were present at that time. And they were asked the question by their Lord, am I not your Lord? And those we believed that, that were Muslims, they said, yep, that's it, we indeed, bala, indeed, no doubt, undoubtedly. And the ones that didn't, they, they didn't, Allah didn't accept them into Islam or they didn't, they didn't accept Islam. And then he says, we bore witness and going to, going to the house of Allah is, is the tawthiq al-mithaq, as they say in Arabic. It's the, it's the fulfillment of the covenant. And so that, that's a, that's a big thing for a person to consider if they're on the way to the house of Allah. That it's not just going there to pray, not just going there to, to listen to the khutbah, for example, the, the sermon on a Friday, but it's tajdid al-mithaq. It's the, it's the um, I suppose, the, the revival of that covenant. That a person thinks all the way back to the, the, when they were first spiritually created and they faced their Lord for the first time and the Lord said to them, am I not your Lord? So it's, it's to, that the Prophet of Allah mentioned another hadith. He says, Jaddidu imanukum. He said, renew or revive or um, reinvigorate your faith. They said, Ya Rasulullah, how do we do that? They said, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. That the pronunciation, the testification of faith just by saying, La ilaha illallah, and to add on to it, of course, Muhammad Rasulullah, it revives our faith, it revives our iman. It wakes us back up. It's like a person who's um, got some sort of a, for example, a business relationship with someone. And they read the contract again. Oh, this is the contract that I had between my employer and myself, between two organizations that were doing some sort of business or something like that. It in, reinvigorates. It uh, reminds the person of the conditions. It reminds the person of the obligation. It reminds the person of the responsibilities and also of the rights that one has in regard to whatever agreement they have with somebody else. And then it goes on, he says, he says, وَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَآلِهُ صَحْبُ صَلَّى يَقُولُ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ تَنَاؤُهُ لَا يَنْجُ مِنِّي عَبْدِ إِلَّا بِأَدَاءِ مَفْتَرَدْتُ عَلَيْهِ وَفِي حَدِيثٍ آخَرِ يَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى مَا اقْتَرَبَ الْمُقْتَرِبُونَ بِمِثْلِ أَدَاءِ مَفْتَرَدْتُ عَلَيْهِمْ the, the, again, the, the obligatoriness that's involved in our, the things that are wajib, the things that are, that are fard upon us in our deen, he, get, he continues to talk about them. And he says, the Prophet of Allah said, on top of 51, the Prophet of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Allah Most High said, my servant, 
will only be saved from me, Allah's punishment, by fulfilling what I have made obligatory upon him. And in another narration, Allah says, those who seek nearness to me do not draw nearer with anything more pleasing than what I have made obligatory upon them. And so in, in terms of a, of a person trying to realize the, the reality of the life in which they live in and, and realize the reality of the cosmos in which they, they, they exist in and realize what is metaphysically beyond that in terms of their spiritual existence, the basis of that for the believer is to, to fulfill one's obligations to Allah. If a person is not fulfilling one's obligations to Allah and they're doing extra things outside of those obligations which are, are recommended, then it's not going to cut it. It's like somebody somebody owes you money and they come around, they're buying you lunch, you know, they're taking you out to dinner, they're buying you the caramel chai lattes, whatever it is, and they owe you money. Don't worry about all that stuff. Just pay me back my money and we'll sort the rest out later. It's, it's, it's not acceptable. And for Allah Azza wa Jal, the things that He's made obligatory, they're the main things. The things that Allah Azza wa Jal has made obligatory, has made um, fard upon us, are those things that He most loves. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. They're the things that He most loves. So the shahadata, the first thing, the, the pillars, the, the shahada, the testimony of faith, then the prayer and the fasting and the zakat and the hajj, they're the things most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they're the things that are the best for us. They're the things that are the best for us. The testimony of faith, the faith is the best thing for us spiritually because it frees us from the shackles of whatever binds us to materialism and material things and the things of this earth and the temporary things. And the salat is, is the best thing also for us um, spiritually in terms of our mind, our brain, and also our body, our brain, our spirit, and our body because it, it contains the recitation of the, the, the divine revelation the Quran, it contains the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it contains, so we're using our mind when we're reciting, when we're memorizing, when we're saying things, it also contains movements, like you know, some might say yoga, upward dog, is a downward dog, upward dog, downward dog and all those things, so there's, a, there's an element of that in the salat, so it has our, our physical, um, a physical aspect to it, then it also has of course the spiritual aspect to it, because it's one giving up what one wants to do for what, one, for what Allah wants one to do. So then we got the CM, which is up the day after tomorrow, inshallah, that's been declared, if you haven't heard, on Monday by the Imam's board. So on Monday, inshallah, it'll be the first day of fasting. And fasting, it's, it's completely spiritual. It's completely spiritual. It's not an outward act that can be. No one can look at someone and say, that person's fasting. It's completely between one and their Lord. And then there's the zakat, which is the communal justice that the people who have money give to those who don't have money. So it allows people in society those who are disenfranchised to be to be assisted by those who are enfranchised, those who are, who have got money to assist those that don't have money, and then the Hajj, it's that return to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala on that one occasion, and it's that it's that going back to this spot, going back to the time when we're in the spiritual form, and our Lord said to us, "Am I not your Lord?" And we said, "Bala." And not only is it that, but it's the emulation of all the prophets as we believe. Because we believe Sayyidina Adam, our great-grandfather, that he, he came to, the, to Mecca and he built the Kaaba there. right? And then later on, Sayyidina Ibrahim, السلام, he came later on with his son Ismail and they rebuilt the Kaaba and it's been going ever since. So it's a return to Allah before we actually return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's a revival or a rejuvenation of our whole existence of a whole existence. And those who have been to Hajj know. Those who have been to Hajj, who have gone on the pilgrimage, they understand what that means because they actually felt it while they were there. They actually felt that returning to Allah. 
you know, going around the Kaaba and the Safa and Marwa and, you know, being in Arafah and Muzdalifah and Mina and all the different things that a person does when they're in Hajj, one understands that really, really that a person is built for a particular purpose and that's to know Allah. And then when a person's in, in, uh, in, in Hajj, that that's realized physically because everything else is put aside. And not only that, it's the, the bonding of, of, of brotherhood and sisterhood between the believers because everyone goes there in the ihram. Everyone goes there looking exactly the same, dressed the same. Act, no one knows who's the, who's the, you know, the, 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 the prime minister or the president or the emperor and who's the pauper and the street sweeper. No one knows who that is. Everyone's the same. Everyone's on the same level. Everyone's treated the same when they go to the house of Allah and they go to, in particular to Hajj. So those things that Allah has made, oblig- has made obligatory upon us are the things that are firstly most beloved to Him and secondly most beneficial for us. Most beneficial because He's our maker and always the manufacturer of any product knows exactly what that product needs, knows what makes that product work properly, knows what destroys that product, you know, makes it work more efficiently, less efficiently, increases the lifespan, decreases the lifespan, and Allah is our creator. So He knows these things and He made those things obligatory upon us. And then we know... And we know in the rest, that's just the base thing. And we know in the rest of those ahadith, right there, the beginning of those, the beginning of the ahadith says that a person, as, as it says there, um, only is, it's the next one, the who seek needs do not draw nearer with anything more pleasing than what I've made obligatory. Then the rest of the hadith goes, if the person adds superrogatory or extra deeds, yeah? So a person goes over and beyond the foundation over and beyond the basics, then that's when things change for that individual. That's when, so to speak, the physical and the metaphysical become intertwined. And then the rest of the hadith says that, that Allah becomes, the, 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 if, you, if a person comes to Allah, vira or shibr, a handspan, then Allah will come an arm's length. If a person comes an arm's length, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come a, a wingspan. If a person walks to Allah, Allah will run to that person. And if a person gets to that stage, where they're, where they're uh, sa'i, where they're, where they're moving as fast as they can, with as much purpose as they possibly can to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then what happens after that? Allah becomes that person's hand to grab and eyes to see and ears to hear. Taqi binurillah. That a person becomes elevated beyond just their physical existence. Because we're really, as we've said many, many times, we're really spiritual beings on a physical journey. We're not we're not physical beings. That's, that's only temporary. We came, we were in non-existence, and then we came into existence, and our physical, our physical attributes will be, will be in non-existence shortly. And so in, in reality, we're, we're spiritual creatures, and we're here on a, on, a, on a physical journey for a limited amount of time. And so the person who goes beyond that which is just obligatory begins to understand that spirituality begins to transcend the material existence in which they live in, the physical existence in which we live in, the ephemeral existence in which we live in in this earth. And that's true felicity. That's true happiness. That's true contentment. That's true tranquility. That's true peace, Islam. And that's what we all seek, irrespective of our color, irrespective of our faith, irrespective of our financial status, socioeconomic status, irrespective of everything. All human beings are the same. They seek that contentment. They seek that, 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 internal, that internal rest, that internal tranquility, the, 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 the clash that goes on within an individual about who they are and what they're about and what they're doing and, and their own ethics and their own understanding and their own comprehension of themselves and the world around them and others, that that clash that goes on sometimes dissipates 
and that one flows in a direction that is in tune firstly with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When a person is in tune with Allah, then they're in tune with everything else, all of the ibad, all of the servants, all the creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And everyone's seeking that. Whether they know it cognitively or not, subconsciously, that's what everyone seeks. Everyone's, no one seeks to live in a war zone. No one seeks to live in anarchy. No one seeks to live in a place where, where their, their safety is constantly under threat and at any moment their life can be taken. No one le- likes to live in a place where their property can be stolen or their property can, you know, they can be stolen is when someone's not around and physically by, fo- by force taken from them when they are around. No one, irrespective of their faith or non-faith or their religion or their ideology, nobody wants to live in a place like that. And so that's, that's from the external side. And internally, nobody wants to live a life where they're constantly confused, where, they, where they've got no istikrar, where they've got no, no, um, no platform to build from yesterday what happened and to look forward to the future about what's going to be. No one wants to live like that um, psychologically, nor does a person want to live spiritually where they don't know where they came from and they don't know what, what they're doing here and they don't know where they're going. That, that's irrespective. That's our innate, the way that we've been created by our Lord. And so when a person begins to go to that next level, the believer, when they begin to go to that next level of the metaphysical, then all those things go into place. And, and then true tranquility, inshallah, true ease, because that's what comes from tranquility, is ease. We all, everyone seeks comfort. Everyone seeks ease in life. Everyone seeks to have a relaxed life. No one wants to have a you know, stressed out life. Everyone wants to chill out and kick back and take it easy. That's when, that's when that comes. When a person becomes beyond just the basics, when a person pushes their own envelope, so to speak, and gets out of their comfort zone to move to that next level, and so that's what that's what he's talking about here. To get to that, one has to fulfill the obligations. Once the obligations are fulfilled, then the rest of it can come into being. Bismillah, Subhanahu wa Taala. Not many questions today. Yeah, no one here today. I want just the only one, or. Yeah, it's less it's relevant to the actual subject matter. وكان علي بن أبي طالب رضي الله تعالى عنه إذا سمع النداء بالصلاة تغير لونه وتقلق وتقلقل في موضعه ويقال له في ذلك فيقول حضر وقت وقت أداء الأمانة العظيمة التي عرضها الله على السماوات والأرض والجبال فأبين أن يحملنها وأشفقن منها وحملها الإنسان إنه كان ظلوما جهولا بقدر الأمانة فلا ندري هل نقوم بأداء, بأداء ذلك أم لا سيدنا علي الله مرد عنه when Ali ibn Abi Talib رضي الله تعالى he heard the call to the prayer his color would change and he would become restless when asked about this he would say the time for fulfilling the great trust has come the trust that was offered to the heavens and the earth and the mountains but they refused to bear it and were afraid Man assumed it. In other words, human beings assumed it. Man is the, is the most unjust and ignorant. Regarding the weightiness of this trust, we, we, um, we know not whether we are fulfilling it or not. So Sayyidina Ali al he's the, as we know, he's the cousin of the Prophet Muhammad And he lived in the prophetic household. He lived in the house of the Prophet Muhammad from the age of 10. That's why we say, Karam Allah, wajhu may Allah enable his, enable his face because he never knew any other way except the way the Prophet Muhammad والسلام, from before he was pubescent. So he's got a special status in, you know, in, in the sight of, of the believers and in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So even he 
when the when the when the call to prayer and i think another reason why they use Sayyidina ali lombardano because he was very courageous and he was extremely strong as well and he didn't have any fear he didn't really fear anything but what happened to him is when he heard the call to prayer his color would change and he would become restless and they asked him about it they said well, what's going on why what's the why are you becoming like that we know you're, you're you're a courageous person you're a tough guy we know the story so the time for fulfilling the great trust has come the trust that was offered and then again what are these guys remembering yeah they're not just remembering oh it's fatal to go and pray they're not just remembering yeah i've got to get there's an obligation on me that i have to fulfill in the first instance when we go into the house of allah remembering the covenant between us and allah when when we were all there in the in the in the in the maidan on the field and allah asked us who is who is your lord am i not your lord so that's just by by having the thought to leave the home and then that's why these guys their, their faith was unshakable because they took things back to the essence they took things back to the original foundation in which they were doing it and they kept on reminding themselves of those foundations they kept on going back to the beginning as we said if someone reads the contract between you and your employer whoever it might be marriage contract prenuptial agreement whatever it'll be it, it reinvigorates in a person what what the, the the agreement is between one and another or two separate entities so what what did he used to think about he didn't think oh it's time i've got to go get my prayer off my back i've got things to do i've got to go hang out i've got to go watch netflix i've got to go work i've got to go this he didn't think about that what he thought about was that there's a trust there's a manner there's an agreement a covenant between us and allah and I've got to fulfill that covenant and go back to what was written before that the basis of the covenant, the basis of the agreement, the basis of our relationship with Allah is those things that Allah has made obligatory upon us, the five pillars basically. So he went even beyond that. He's like, wait a minute, before we were created, because Allah Azawajal, when he was giving us the iman, the amana, in other words, the, the capacity to choose, which we spoke about a fair bit you know, in the last probably month or so. So that capacity to choose, it comes with responsibility. So Allah Azawajal, as we know, He said to the sky, He said to the earth, He said to the mountains, do you guys want to do that? Do you guys want to have the capacity to choose? Artabat, they, they, they shook. The, 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 the sky, got, they were too afraid, they were overwhelmed by the, by the responsibility that comes with that, that blessing. The responsibility that comes with the capacity to be able to choose what one wants to do, whether they want to do A or B. So as we know, the animals, they're just innate. They just follow the instincts. And the angels, they just follow the orders of Allah. And we're in between. Us and the jinns, the spirits, we're in between. That we can choose what we want to do, whether it's good or bad or otherwise. We, we can make that choice. But nothing else accepted it, except us and the jinns. Where the animals said, yeah, yeah, we'll be right. We'll be right. You know, we'll take care of it. Yep, we've got that trust. We'll make the choices. That's what we want. And what, what, what did he say? Like, it's a pretty big thing. Yeah? In the insana kana. Baluman Jahula. There's no canna, is there? Jahulan, Jahulan Daluma. So look what he says about us, Allah Azza wa Jal. Like it's not a. Now, me personally, every time I, I read that verse, I, I get shaken to my core. It says that humankind was what? Ignorant and oppressive. Why? Because we didn't understand what we were taking on. We didn't understand that covenant. We didn't understand what it meant to be able to choose. And the ramifications, not only of the capacity to be able to choose, but the ramifications of the choices that we made. 
but the, the mountains and the earth and, and the sky did. And they said, no, 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 we don't want it. Just leave it, leave it, leave it away from us. Leave it away from us. And if we look at, and if we look at our physical, our physical characteristics in comparison to the earth, we're nothing. If we look at our physical characteristics in comparison to the, to the mountains holding together the earth, and we're nothing. When we look at our physical characteristics in comparison to the sky that's holding the earth, that's holding the mountains, we don't even rate a mention. We don't even rate a mention. And, and that's why it doesn't rain and doesn't rest on the physical characteristics because our physical creation isn't very strong. Uh, our intellect is pretty awesome and our spiritual capacity is basically unlimited. And that's the difference. That's what makes us successful, inshallah, azawajal, or unsuccessful when I'll be subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said, any, any questions about that one? It's a bit heavy, but that's what's there. وكان أبو بكر الصديق رضي الله تعالى عنه يقول ما حضر وقت الصلاة قط إلا نادت الملائكة معاشر المؤمنين قوموا إلى ناركم التي أشعلتموها على أنفسكم وأطفئوا ما عليكم بالصلاة وقيل إذا أذن المؤذن أسقط الدواب وذوات الأجنحة بأسماعها إلى ذلك وخشع ذلك كل شيء إلا الإنس والجن يا الله He says Abu Bakr al-Siddiq who used to say whenever the time for prayers enters the angels proclaim O believers rise and extinguish the fire that you have kindled on yourselves with the prayer It is also said that when the, the Mu'addin when the call to, caller to prayer calls the Adhan all the animals and the birds and the birds listen and everything expresses fear except mankind and the jinn and the spirits. So Abu Bakr al-Mardanhu again is a Siddiq. Siddiq is, is the one who has integrity. Whatever he believes, whatever he hears from Allah, whatever he hears from the Prophet he doesn't doubt. And whatever he knows it himself, he practices. Without fear of retribution, without fear of, 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 of people repudiating him, without fear of, of ridicule either. He said, whenever the time for the prayer enters, the angels proclaim, O believers. So this is not a hadith, this is what Sayyidina Abu Bakr said. But he would have heard it from the Prophet of Allah, just because it's not um, narrated in authentic tradition and not rigorously, rigorously authenticated, doesn't mean that's not what he said. He says, rise and extinguish the fire that you have kindled on yourselves with the prayer. So the prayer is saving us from our own selves. That's what he's saying. Saving us from the chastisement that one would face if they were to, to go into the hellfire when Allah bless subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other words, the torment that one builds for themselves. And, 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 and the fire, the hellfire in that sense, it's not that physical manifestation that we think it is for us. The hellfire is all torment and all anguish that we place upon ourselves through our own thoughts, through our own actions, through our own doubts, through the, through the way that we, that, that we reflect upon ourselves and our own understanding of ourselves and of others and, and you know, the, the, the physical world around us. So all, all the things that perturb us, all the things that anguish us, all the things that, that, that confuse us in that sense, that's, that's a connotation of that, when I'll that hellfire. It's a connotation of, of not being content. It's a connotation of not being tranquil. It's a connotation of not being secure. It's a connotation of not being at peace. So that's, it's, it's a metaphorical example for, for us to kind of comprehend that if a person isn't at peace, then unfortunately, they're in a bad way. It's also said that when the Mu'addin, the call to prayer, calls the Adhan, all the animals and the birds listen, and everything expresses fear except mankind and the jinn. One time we were with one of the Mashaykh who came from Lebanon, and we were traveling 
Coffs Harbour. We went to Coffs Harbour actually. And it was time to call the prayer. And he had a, mashallah, he had an amazing voice. So he started the Adhan. This is what I saw. This is not what anyone told me. He started the Adhan. And this kingfisher, one of these really blue, luminescent kingfishers came and sat on the branch right in front of him. He called the whole prayer. And then as soon as he finished the prayer, it was like right here. Like, you know, he could have grabbed him. But that's how close he was. Came and listened to the whole call of the prayer. But every call is different. Yeah, every caller who calls the prayer is different. The person who's close to Allah, the person who embodies these things that we're speaking about, of course the things are gonna, are gonna come and listen to the word because that person's got the reality of that in their hearts. But the person who doesn't, it's just words, it's just a song, if you like. Kingfisher came and sat and sat and sat, just sat, didn't move nothing, watched him looking at him, and then as soon as he finished the call to prayer, he started reading the diet, he finished the diet, and then he flew off. So I, I can say that I've seen that with my own two eyes. And so, Everything because everything that doesn't have a choice, right? Everything that doesn't have the capacity to choose is in tune with Allah. So we might hear the dog barking, but that's that's it's a that's worshiping Allah. It's remembering Allah. And we might hear the willy we might see the willy wagtail. You just don't know the willy wagtail. I remember I asked you this last time. He's got a little black and white bird, his tail shakes left and right. That's his tail is remembering Allah. Right, the dolphins and the and the whales in the ocean with their singing, they're remembering Allah because that's what they were made for. They know what their job is. They were made for a, for a reason. They follow their instinct. That's it. There's no choice in the matter. The whale can't come out, try and catch the bus and get a job. It's, it's not going to happen. It can't do that. That's that's just what a whale is. It can't try and climb a tree. It's not going to work. It doesn't have that. That's not that's not in its thought process to even do. It can't think that, it can't comprehend that way, no matter how smart that the, that the mammals of the ocean might be and how they communicate and how they do things. They've got their role and they're always remembering Allah. There's a story I, I like about um, Sayyidina Sulaiman, Solomon salam, where he says to Allah, let, let, me, let me feed. There's a better story actually about Sayyidina. He, he, he said, because as we know, you know Solomon's, Solomon's mines and how much money and gold and fortune and things he had. He had control of all things on earth, including the jinn. So this, it's a story. It's, it's not, not authenticated. It's a story that um, I think it was a righteous man, actually. It might not have been Solomon. Anyway, that he's, he had an ant and he put it into a container. And he, gave, he said to the ant, how many, grains of, how many grains of wheat do you eat in a year? And the ant said two. He said, well, I'm allowed to, God's allowed me to feed you. Allah's allowed me to feed you for this year. So he put him in a container. Gave him two grains of wheat and, and left him to the side. Came back the next year, the ant had only, only eaten one grain. And he, he asked the ant, he said, what's going on? He said, well, you know, I rely on Allah. And Allah, I know, guarantees me my sustenance no matter what. But you're a human being. I can't rely on you. And he only ate one of the grains, leaving the grains later on. And there's another story about the Suleiman wanted to feed all of the creation for a year. Allah said, no. Nah. He said, all right. For a month, he said, no. Nah. He said, for a week, he said, no. Nah. He said, for a day, Allah said, okay, no way. So Sayyidina Sulaiman got all the jinns, because he was controlled the jinns, all the spirits, and they put together a massive feast. And then, you know, one whale came out of the ocean and ate it all. He said, I'm still hungry. Everything that he spent 40 days getting the feast together, and one whale came and ate it all in one, one wajbah, one morsel, one, one gulp, and he wanted, he wanted more. He said, Allah gives me three meals like this every single day. So the, the, the animals are constantly aware because they don't have the, the, the capacity to choose. And so they're, they're constantly in the remembrance of Allah. They're constantly connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
But human beings, we have the capacity to choose, and the jinns, the spirits, they have the, they have the capacity to choose. And those who have the capacity to choose can choose ill or can choose good. That's up to them. So we can either choose to listen to the call to prayer and, and revere it, or otherwise, and then he says, وَكَانَ عَلِي كَرَمَ اللَّهُ وَجْهَ إِذَا دَخَلَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ وَقَعَ عَلَيْهِ الرَّعْدَةُ وَالْخَوْفُ فَيُقَالُ لَهُ فِي ذَلِكَ فَيَكُولُ فَرِيدَةٌ مِنْ فَرَائِدِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى لَا أَدْرِي أَيَقْبَلُهَا مِنِّي أَمْ يَضْرُبُ بِهَا وَجْهِ So he says, When Ali, may Allah ennoble his face, began the prayer, he would be overcome with fear and trembling. When he was asked about this, he said, It's an obligation from the obligations of Allah, and I do not know if he will accept it from me or strike my face with it. So, that, of course, some of these expressions that we come across, like the, strike, the striking of wajhi, it's, it's, a, it's a metaphorical expression that the Arabs use to say that it's this a dishonor to, to strike somebody's face because the face is a, a, an honorable place. Even in war times and even in warfare, it's forbidden for a Muslim to strike a non-Muslim in, in combat in their face. The, the, the striking should be in the necks and in the shoulders and in the limbs. So that's why the ennobling of one's face, and even if, even if a person, it's fisk, fisk, it's um, like hypocrisy to punch someone in the face. Sorry for those who do martial arts, but you know, can't, can't help you there. So it's, it's not part of, and, and, and us, all, all martial arts that involve punching people in the face are forbidden because the face has been ennobled by Allah. And so that's what the meaning of that. That Sayyidina Ali Allah Mardanhu, he would become so perturbed at the time of, of, of taking care of his obligation because he knows obligations to Allah, as was previously mentioned in the chapter, that's the gateway to Allah. That's the gateway to realization of one's existence. That's the gateway to spiritual illumination. And so if one stopped at the gate, they're not going to reach the high stations. They're not going to become illuminated. They're not going to, they're not going to reach felicity in that sense. So he was perturbed that I'm doing my best, but what if, what if it, what if it doesn't get accepted? What if I dishonor myself with, by, by that which I've done when it comes to the, um, to the prayers? All right. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.